Thank you, Jesus. All right, I just want to reiterate one announcement, and that is this Wednesday night. Everybody say this Wednesday night. We got Michael Moppin coming. He's a great speaker. He's been here before. And uh, try to get the kids here. I know it's a busy time of year, but we're going to try to get him on quickly and just have a powerful time. And uh, he's always a a great, great uh, preacher, and uh, it's really going to be impactful. So everybody say Wednesday night. Where are you going to be? Hope nobody lied. All right. We're uh, continuing Simplify. And uh, we are talking about uh, simplifying uh, our faith, simplifying what God expects of us. And I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this far, and I really feel like God confirmed uh, to me through uh, a turn of events what uh, he wants me to speak on this week. And how many knows today that, that Jesus is the answer? Jesus is the answer. I mean, Jesus is the answer to crime, right? If if, if people in these big cities right now could just see that Jesus is the answer, and if if you teach people to love one another, if you teach people to love God, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Jesus is the answer to drugs. Jesus is the answer to every societal ill. I wish somebody believed this yeah, today. Yeah. That, that Jesus, yeah. you, you, you can spend all the, all the money you want to on education, and I'm all for that. I'm all for an educated society, educated people. But how many knows there's a lot of educated idiots And they, they pay half a million dollars for that art history degree to work at Starbucks. And they got all the answers, right? In education, you, you can have a dysfunctional life and have a PhD. Jesus is the answer. The answer, whatever answer you're looking to today, it's as close as as uttering the name Jesus. And I'm not trying to oversimplify. After you get Jesus, there's a lot of other common sense things you need to do too. But he'll lead you to those, right? right? And and I just want to start today, if if we really all believed that, and if we gave, if we shared Jesus with other people, it would solve so many problems. And I think so many of us, we're expecting somebody else to do it, myself included, right? The government needs to do that. The local police department needs to do that. The, the teachers need to do that. When, when if we all would take the responsibility of just giving people Jesus. Come on, we, we need to get back to witnessing. We need to get back to talking about Jesus. We need to get back to sharing Jesus. We, we, we need to get back, you ready for this, just for some good, old-fashioned home Bible studies. Thank you, Chelsea, for clapping and laughing. I appreciate that. We need to get back to witnessing. 
because you and I are here. Maybe some of you grew up in church and you, you came here because your mom and dad brought you and you didn't have a choice. There, I know there's a certain amount of the crowd that that's your testimony today. But somewhere down the line, somebody witnessed to mom and dad. Somebody witnessed to grandpa. Somebody witnessed to somebody. We've got to open up our mouths. And I want to go today to, to Luke uh, chapter 10. And we find a story, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit an eternal life? And he said to him, we've already talked about this in past weeks, What is it written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. There we see a very simple answer. To a complicated question. There were 613 laws in the Old Testament. And Jesus reduced them down to two. Love me, love people. And I want you to see this. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. And wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus. I want you to see this. He wasn't happy with Jesus' simple answer. He wanted to complicate it. He wanted to... Take away the the simplification and put layers on it. And he says, so who is my neighbor? If it's all about loving God with all my heart and loving my neighbor as myself, who is my neighbor? And really, his real question is this. Who am I really responsible for? Who do I really have to love? Is it everybody? Is it some people? Is it just people who agree with me, who is my neighbor? Who am I to care for? And Jesus responded to this man's question by telling a parable, and we know it as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it says, then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed and leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, who was a religious person, when he arrived at the place, he came and looked and he passed by. What? Everybody say, on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And he saw him and he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and where whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of you, uh, I'm sorry, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor, everybody say a neighbor, to him who fell among the thieves. And he said to him, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So who is my neighbor? Who am I responsible for today? Is it just Danielle and our two kids? Is it just the people in this church? 
Is it just the people in this pew? And I believe that in church, in Christianity, whatever word you want to use, I believe that we have lost sight of who we are responsible for. We have lost sight of who God wants us to care for. Who, wants, who God wants us to be responsible for. Because it's easy to just stay in my own little sphere of influence, my own little sphere of, of comfort, and to say, my worry and my concern is just my immediate family. And we should be worried and concerned about our immediate family. Please don't misunderstand me. But the answer that Jesus seemed to give to this man was, whoever we come in contact with, that is our neighbor. That is who we're responsible for. I'm responsible for anybody I interact with. I'm responsible to give them Jesus, as much Jesus as I can. And I believe that we have lost this side of responsibility. As the world gets worse, the temptation for us is for us just to move into our own little world, our own little bubble, and not worry about the people outside of our home, not to worry about the people outside of our doors. And by the way, I was so impacted by what we heard last week because we need to have a wake-up call every now and then that the world is a bad place, the world is a dangerous place, and just because we're safe here today doesn't mean that most of the world is. Come on, somebody. We need a wake-up call every now and then. I, I, I am responsible for Nepal. I am responsible for that man that I met. I am responsible for the people that I come in contact with. And I want to ask us today, are, are you thinking about people outside of your bubble? Are you being a neighbor to the people that you come in contact with? And I, I, want, us all, and I want to ask you this question. Who do you think is responsible for the flock of this church? Is it just Bishop and I? Is it just the, the ministry team? And I want to challenge you today that if you are a member of this church, you are responsible for the other people in this church. And I want to encourage you. I want you to look around. Who isn't in your pew today? Who isn't in this place today? I can't keep up, Bishop, can't keep up with everybody. But if we are all a neighbor to the people who sit next to us in our pews, and if they're not here today, I want you to text them. I want you to hit them up on Facebook. Why? Because we need to care about our neighbors. We need to care about the people that sit next to us every Sunday. And if somebody can walk in and out of this church, and if they can just simply disappear, and not one person contacts them, not one person reaches out, we have failed miserably. And I want to confess something right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm not just doing this for rhetorical effect or you know, to try to have a good illustration, because God convicted me. Because we do an attendance report every week. As I was preparing this message, I began to preach to myself. That attendance report, at the bottom of the report, there's a number. And too many times, I've gone past all the names that are missing, and I've just gone to the number. That's my bottom line. What was the number? Are our numbers up? Were there more rear ends in the pew this week? God said, you need to start reading those names. You need to start praying over those names. Why? 
Those people are your responsibility. And that's not just about a number so you can feel good. It's not just about a number so your ego can go up. Sales are really up this month. There's more people coming to church. Come on, somebody. We've got to get past that. We've got to look to individual people who are hurting, who are beat up, who are walking in and out of our door. And if nobody can check on them and they they can just simply disappear. Am I preaching to anybody today? You see, the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus talks about a shepherd that 99 were there, but one slipped away. And he left the 100 to go find the one. Because if the one isn't there, it doesn't really matter if the 99 are still around. There's a lost sheep out there. There's somebody out there that's lost. And we have to get a heart for lost people. We've got to get a heart for whoever isn't here. That's what it means to be a neighbor. Who is missing? And I want to just challenge you. Take responsibility for the people around you. We all sit in the same section or the same pew generally every Sunday, and that's okay. But here's, here's what comes with that. I want you to look around right now. T- take a look around. You're responsible for them. You're responsible for them. Are they hurting? Are they sick? If they start wandering and they start missing... I'm asking you, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, please check on them. Harass them until they come back to God's house. Why? Because that's what being a neighbor looks like. Being a neighbor says, hey, I, I noticed you guys went on vacation and you left your lights on and there's some things. That's what being a good neighbor does. Being a good neighbor checks on people. Being a good neighbor says, hey, is everything going okay? I've just noticed that you've been missing some church. Why? Because Jesus said, compel them until my house is full. Compel them. And in Luke 15, in addition to the shepherd and the lost sheep, Jesus gives the parable of a woman who lost a coin and she looks throughout all the house until she finds the coin. He gives the parable of the prodigal son who takes a trip and disappears, but the father never gets up. He stays on the front porch looking out, looking at the front path to the house, just waiting for the lost son to come back. What do all those stories have in common? The person who lost something was proactive. The person who lost something was searching. And I want to ask you today, are you searching for lost people? Are you praying for lost people? Are you concerned for lost people? And Jesus said that loving our neighbor, what, it's connected to eternal life. The two things he says to do, love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, Can you really call yourself a Christian? If you're not sharing Jesus, do you really believe that Jesus is the answer? So I think so many times our lack of sharing Jesus is a lack of faith. And we see in this story that Jesus gives. He shows us how to be a neighbor and who we're to be a neighbor to. And he tells a story about a man who was on a trip. And on the way to where he was going, he got beat up and was left for dead along the side of the road. And I just want to tell us today, most of the people that will come in contact this week 
a lot of the people who walk through the front doors of this church, whether it's today or Thursday night for Celebrate Recovery, they're beat up. Life has beat them up. People have disappointed them. Life has hurt them. And Jesus says that two people walked by this man, and both of them were religious. Both of them had the answer. Both of them had the training for what they were supposed to do. And they saw him. That's what the egregious part of the story is. Both of them saw him. And they walked by. You see, I don't think the problem is exposure. I think we see the problems. We see the people are hurting. We see the people are beat up. But they didn't want to take the time to actually stop and ask questions. And one of the reasons they didn't want to is because it would make them ceremonially unclean. You see, at this time, a religious Jewish person, if you were to touch somebody who was bleeding and was injured, you would become unclean. And so you would have to go through this process of becoming religiously clean again. And for them, it was just easier to keep on walking. And we, I think, so many times have the same struggle because it might affect our purity if we have to be seen with that person. It might affect our reputation if we're seen with the drunk, if we're seen with the person who lives a lifestyle outside of our comfort. And I wanna tell you today, being a neighbor sometimes requires you to get dirty. And the church today, this is a hospital. If you don't like a little blood spilling, if you don't like the stench of, of some things that don't smell maybe the way you want it to smell, I want to tell you, that's just part of a hospital. You're going to smell some things. You're going to see some things. You're going to get a little bit uncomfortable. But that is what God has called us to do is to stop and to help the hurting, the bleeding. Come on, I wish somebody was preaching with me today. God, wake us up to what's important. And then in this parable, Jesus throws this audience a curveball. You see, this audience was Jewish. And they don't talk to Samaritan people. The Samaritans lived in northern Israel. And rather than walking straight towards the other parts of Israel, by walking through Samaria, they would go completely around it. Because the place was unclean and the people were unclean. It'd be like if I had to go to Decatur, I would, from Herrick, I would drive all the way to Cowden, to Shelbyville, and all the way around to avoid Tower Hill. That's how... They, they, they would take days out of their journey to do this. And Jesus said, the person who stopped was one of those ungodly, unclean Samaritans. And he didn't just see the person was hurting, but he stopped to check on him. He didn't just notice, wow, that guy has problems. He stopped to ask him questions. You see, the difference between him and the other two was this. He had a sense of responsibility for the person that was hurting. It didn't matter that he didn't know him. It didn't matter that 
they were different. It didn't matter that all of the things, all the check marks that so many times we have to whether I'm responsible for that person, all he saw was that there was somebody hurting and because I'm here, I have a responsibility right. Right. to help. Right. Right. I want to tell you, there's so many opportunities I think that we miss because we're waiting on somebody else to do it. Right. We're waiting on somebody else to stop. But God, I'm not qualified to help that person. I, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a this or a that. When God's just maybe just wanting you to stop and point them the right direction, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be a doctor. Nowhere in this, this story does it say the Good Samaritan was a doctor or a nurse. He was just somebody who cared and stopped long enough to ask questions. You see, as disciples of Jesus, we've got to have an others first mentality. The two men that walked by had a me first mentality. And they actually were so deceived, they thought that was holiness. You see, truly holy people have an others first mentality. It looks like a Sister Gleason who's willing to give Ben Bland a Bible study a year before he does anything. And so many times I've given up on people. I've, I've stopped caring on people. I've stopped checking on people because it didn't look like there was any progress. But being a good neighbor is checking in when people don't even want you to check on them. It's doing what God has called us to do and Jesus answers the question, who is my neighbor? It's undeniably people who aren't like us. My neighbor is people who aren't like me. And here, here's the thing, I get to choose my house. I don't get to choose my neighbors. I don't get to, get, I don't get to control who moves in. I don't get to control what they're like. I've got to deal with it but they're still my neighbor. And so what does God want for us? That's one of the things we've been talking about. And I think sometimes we make this so complex. I think we make soul winning, and I don't really like that word, but I'm gonna use it. We make soul winning so complex. We think we gotta have all the answers. You know what you have to have? You just have to have a heart that cares. You just have to care. And if you don't have all the answers, take them to me, and maybe I won't have the answer either. But I'll help. We'll point them the right direction. We're gonna be here. We're gonna be around. Come on, is anybody tracking with me today? We, we, we've gotta be disciples. And like the Good Samaritan, we must choose to go to strangers who are our neighbors, oftentimes they're strangers. We must choose to pray with the stranger right. in the altar. Right. We on. must choose to witness right. to the person we just met. Right. Come on. Sometimes if you're like me and an introvert, that's a real challenge, but you gotta step out in faith. Yeah. You gotta step out and get uncomfortable yeah. sometimes. And it's not always easy and it's not always obvious to connect with people that God has placed in our path but it's my responsibility. Yes. 
It's not someone else's responsibility to witness. And, and here's where I think we've gone wrong. We've left witnessing to a certain set of extroverts in the church who are just really good at that stuff. Uh, so many times, I want to talk to the people that have been here for a while. So many times we expect the new convert. They're really good. at. They just came out of that stuff, so they're effective, right? No, no, no. There's none of that in the New Testament. As a disciple of Jesus, we are all expected to share him. It's not only a good thing, it's my responsibility to do that. And so Jesus shows us the steps that this man took. I don't want to go through that. If you want to write these down, they're not going to be on the screen. But the first thing he did was this. He crossed the street. It says that he crossed over. He got out of his lane. And the first step to bringing people to Jesus is you've got to get them out of your, you've got to get out of your lane. You can't just stay here and expect people to show up on Sunday. You've got to get into the real world. You've got to get into the, the place, you've got to go to the ditches where this man was. And we must get on the same side of the street if we're going to meet our neighbor. It's going to take a little bit of effort and a little bit of faith. And you might be looking in that ditch, and, but they don't look like me. And we don't talk the same language. And we, we got different values. And we, we got all these things. Come but you on. know what? You, it's your responsibility yeah. because Jesus says, they are your neighbor. I, I was preparing this message and I thought of a story several years ago. General Conference was in St. Louis. And it was filled with people that looked like us. And we were all dressed up. And, and that's okay. I want to say that's okay. But there were these drunk guys that were hanging out near the convention center. And mom and dad began to talk to them and just love on them and begin to tell them about Jesus. Now I remember looking, there was all these religious people just walking by, looking, you know, at the spectacle that was going on. But a couple people stopped. And it was so ironic. Here we are at this convention. We're gonna have this big convention to try to inspire people, to bring people to Jesus. Right. And here's two people at the front of the convention center right. that no one wants to talk to. Right. That's what being a neighbor looks like. Right. That's what the heart of Christianity looks like. It looks like me crossing over, right. not expecting you just to show up to my church. Sometimes I've got to meet you where you're at. Right. Yeah. Right. Sometimes... I've got to go in some environments that make me uncomfortable. The next thing he does was he assessed his neighbor's condition. He saw this man's beat up. You know, people can put on a front and they can convince us everything's okay. But it's my responsibility, the more I get to know them, to know they're not okay. And I've got to assess my neighbor's condition. I've got to see that maybe they, they put all the right pictures on Facebook and they do all the right stuff. But underneath the facade, they need Jesus. The next thing he did is he, he made a commitment. He made a commitment to help him. 
He said, I, wherever I'm going is not as important as helping this man right now. My trip can take a pause. And I want to tell you today, your trip can take a pause. You're going to have to go out of your way to help people, to witness to people. It's not always going to be convenient. They're not always going to say yes to church the first time. They're not always going to respond the first time you talk to them. The next thing he did was he bandaged his wounds. He poured in the oil and the wine. You know what that represents? That represents the Holy Spirit. He yeah. metaphorically prayed over this man. Right. How many knows that, that some people aren't ready for the sermon yet? They just need you right. to pour in the oil and the wine. That's they good. need you just to love them and pray over them. Right. Then he took him to a safe place. You know what that is? That's the church. Right. How many knows that this place is a safe place? Yeah. I'm going to say this. They've been beat up once. They don't need beat up again. Right. Right. And here's the thing. We're going to give them the truth. Because you can't love people without giving them truth. But there's a time and place for it. And sometimes it looks like a classroom. Sometimes it looks like a private conversation. We're going to get there. But we're going to do it in love and grace. And he, he invested his resources for recovery. His time, his talent, his treasure. Right, right. Come on, that's what Jesus is calling us to. My time, my talent, and my treasure goes to souls. Why do I give? Because of souls. Why do I witness? Because of souls. There's a real place called hell that I don't want people going to. And I'm going to invest my resources. I'm going to give, by the way, $4,500 last week to Nepal. Come on, somebody give praise. That's why we give to missions. That's why we give to missionaries. That's why we give to ministries. And then he dropped the man off, but he said, I'm going to come back and check on him. He followed up. Everybody say follow up. Followed up. If they miss a few Sundays, I'm going to follow up. If they disappear for a while, I'm going to follow up. It might be years, but I'm going to, everybody say, follow up. That's what it looks like. I, I want to give us three points very quickly. Number one, we've got to go to where the lost people are. We've got to go to where lost people are. It says in Acts 17, now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. He was stirred up. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. I want you to see that. The people after his own flesh, the Jewish people, they were lost in religion. And so he went there, but he also went to the marketplace where the pagans were. He specifically went to where lost people are. I told that story a few minutes ago, and I'm, I'm not trying to be critical of those people at that conference because I've done the same thing. And it's easy to do. Right. We just naturally gravitate towards people like us. Right. Right. But we got to break out of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or we got to go where lost people are. Amen. 
Paul went to the center of social interaction to make conversation with people and to meet people. You see, we can stay in our dark houses and pray all day because the Lord's coming quick and the world's evil. And, and I believe that. But people need to see us. We need to let our light shine. We, we, need to, we need to know lost people. We need to have relationships with lost people. Jesus, when he spoke, he would go to the most visible part of town. He would go to the side of a mountain so everybody could see him. I'm so proud of, of all of our people in this church that were involved in the Labor Day Parade in Pena and, and involved in the community. That's what it's all about. We need to be out there. Everybody say out there. We need to let our light shine. God never intended us for us to hide in here and just wait for people to show up. We've got to go out there and reach for some souls. And Paul, he was so committed that when he went to those synagogues, it says three times, he was beaten 39 times. You see, if you defied their customs, you could be beaten. Well, that sounds like a church I want to join. Some of you here today, maybe you've been a part of one of those churches before. But here's the thing. He was so committed to lost people, he went back three times. Right. Why? Because he knew that there were lost people there. Right. Would you be willing to be beaten for lost souls? Come on. Come on. Would you be willing to suffer? Who out there is willing to pray and fast for the lost? What does it mean to witness? It means to give an account of what you have seen. Yeah. And what you've heard, and that brings me to point number two. You've got to tell your story. Right. You've got to tell people right. what God's done for you. God, God doesn't expect you to have all the answers. God doesn't expect right. you to have a PhD in theology. You know what you need to do to witness? All you need is to tell your story. Amen. Tell people about how God delivered yeah. you from darkness yeah. into light. Tell them about the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Tell them about the gospel. You know what the gospel is? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Just start there. You don't have to have all the lifestyle questions answered. Just start with, there's a God named Jesus who died for you, who loves you. Tell them about the church. Tell them, I, I've, I've found this church where anybody can come. I found a church. Oh, you have an addiction? Well, I found a church on Thursday nights. You can come and talk about that. I found a church who will pray for you. I found a church that's a safe place for your, oh, you have kids, guess what? They have a service just for kids. Talk about the church. Talk about your repentance. Talk about your baptism. Talk about how God filled you with the Holy Ghost. You know why we do, this is my story every summer? Because those stories are more powerful than any sermon I can right. come up with. Right. Tell them your story. Everybody in this room, I promise you, has a story. Yes. Now, I, I never lived wild life. But you know what God has done? He's healed my son. Amen. Amen. So anytime we're, anytime we're at a restaurant... Right. And that little devil George is so cute. And that waitress compliments him, you know what, you need to know his story. God healed him. 
And he can do the same for you. It's not that hard, guys. And we have to talk about Jesus. We have to talk about how he's changed our life. The third thing is this. We've got to commit to discipling others continually. I want to say this. Some of us have checked out. I'm asking you, get back in the game. Get back to home Bible studies. Get back to talking about Jesus. Get back to the original fervor you had when you first came into church. Discipleship is about discipling other people. Find somebody in the church who's being left behind. Find a single mother in the church who needs encouraged, who needs somebody to help with those kids, who needs somebody to show them and talk to them about Jesus. You see, we are called, what did God call his disciples? To be fishers of people. If you're going to fish, you got to go where the fish are. be ridiculous for me to go to one of these ditches in Herrick cast a fishing line and expect to catch a catfish you know there aren't fish there right come on you got to go where the lost people are right. we've got to be fishers of people we've got to put the bait out there what's the bait the bait's your story the bait's your life the bait is a changed life and then we've got to bring them in You've got to bring that fish in. And sometimes that fish, they're going to take a nibble, and it's going to be a while before they bite again. Sometimes they're going to take a bite, and they're going to fight you with everything within them. They might come to church a couple times, and then they disappear. They might show up, and they might get baptized, and then they disappear. But you keep pulling them in. You keep reeling them in. Why? Because God is not finished with them yet. And if God hasn't given up on them, I can't give up on them. I've got to disciple them. I've got to be willing to answer questions and be accessible. I've got to keep checking on them. I've got to keep loving them. Even when they disappoint me, I've got to keep them on the line. I want to tell a story conclusion today. If I could have that picture brought up. Here's what a couple of soul winners look like. Every year, Brother Lyle shows up at our Bible, or excuse me, our backpack giveaway. And he gives away Bibles. He doesn't have to do that. He's put his time in. You know why? Because he loves lost people. And then Sister Rini, I was preparing the story, and this story came to my mind. Great saint of God, she sat right up here. And she's been gone a few years now. But she had a doctor's visit in Decatur a few years ago. And in that doctor's visit, she had a conversation with the nurse. And they just started talking about life. And you know what Sister Rini did? She shared Jesus with her. And she said, you, you need to come to our church. And this woman has lived in the Decatur area. And she showed up. She, I think she had three kids. She showed up. She got baptized. Amen. I think she would come to CR every now and then. And it was hard for her to get here. She worked full time. 
And it's a long drive with three kids. And so she, she did the best she could. And God did a work in her life. And over time, she just wasn't able to get here. And she just kind of faded away. Was it? I saw a Facebook post she would make every now and again. But she kind of disappeared. But a few days ago, I, I got a text from Scott Cutler. You guys remember Scott and Andrea? They yeah. moved to Florida. And he said, hey, do you know so-and-so? I said, yeah, that, that's the woman Rini Sims witnessed to. And, and she came and she got baptized. He said, well, she showed up to our church in Florida last week. And he said, we didn't know each other. We didn't remember her. And he said, we started making conversations and we put all the dots together. And he said, we're going to help her get settled in here. She just moved here. Amen. We're going to help her get settled in the church. They had her over for a cookout on Labor Day. Brother Kent, she stuck with it. Yes. She's still in church. Listen, listen. Sister Rini's not a pastor. She didn't live a wild life. She just simply shared Jesus at a doctor's visit. And the fruit is still going. And it reminds me of a scripture Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. I planted. The music will come. I planted. What does that mean? Paul says, I preached. I did my part. But then Apollos watered. Somebody else came behind me. And they did what I couldn't do. They filled in the blanks. But God gave the growth. And here's what I'm telling us today. Maybe God's just called you to plant the seed. That's okay. Maybe God's called you just to start the conversation. God hasn't called you to baptize or do everything, but maybe he's just calling you to invite them to church. Point them the right direction. Somebody else will water. And ultimately, God will give the growth. God will save them. I can't save anybody. But God can. And I want to tell somebody, if you're here today, God can save you. God can deliver you. Because he came personally in Jesus Christ. And he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross Thank for our sins. Lord. And he rose again the third day. And he ascended into heaven. And today if we repent, if we give our life to Jesus. Hallelujah. If we say, I'm tired of living my life. I'm tired of doing what I want to do. God, I'm giving my life to you today. He has promised us some things. He's promised us that we can be delivered and healed. And if you've done that, if you've done that, maybe the next step, you need to be water baptized in the name of Jesus. We'd love to do that today. That can happen today. And he's gonna fill you with the Holy Spirit. That's why we're here today. It's because we sung about earlier, God so loved the world. If we could stand to our feet right now. And I wonder if somebody today can join me in this altar. 
And let's recommit ourselves to discipleship. Let's recommit ourselves to bringing people to Jesus. And here's what I wanna tell you, this week it might look like a doctor's visit. It might look like a classroom. It might look like, look like a workplace break room. But wherever it is, let's give people Jesus. If you need prayer today, come to this altar. We would love to pray for you. Maybe you're a stranger. Maybe this is the first time in this church. We don't care. We just want you to touch Jesus today. I wonder if we could lift up our hands all across this room right now. Can we pray, Lord, help me to share you. Lord, help me, God, to give people Jesus this week. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that needs you right now. God, I pray, meet them where they're at because, God, you are a God that meets us where we are. Let's lift up our hands. Let's sing this song. If you need something today.